What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, uh, edition that I'm really excited about because not only do I get to talk about A Quiet Place Part 2, but I get to do it with the host of The Basement Binge. Harrison is back for this episode. Uh, one of my favorite people to talk to about movies, so really excited to have him. Harrison, welcome. Thank you. That was quite the intro. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I've, I've been looking forward to this review together since we planned it so i'm very excited yeah you know a quiet place when it first came out uh obviously we're going to talk about part two here but i think took everybody really by storm obviously it took the box office by storm reviews were really positive for it and you know it was something immediately that people you know at least the the circles that i talked to wanted to see more of this universe that john krasinski created uh, at first, he wasn't really keen on doing it, and it looked like the studio was going to do it no matter what, and he really wanted to keep this as his own. Uh, found a, you know, idea for A Quiet Place 2, and man, I'm this is one of those you know situations where this is not a sequel for the sake of a sequel. It builds a little bit on the universe that's created. Uh, you can tell this was a, a t- you know, a topic and a creation that he cares about. And it really shines through in A Quiet Place, too, that this wasn't just a cash grab for him. This is something that he wanted to do. Um, and usually you don't get that with sequels, especially when it's so you know, box office friendly. So I was really glad to see him come back for this Harrison. Oh, oh yeah, I totally agree. I'll, I'll probably talk about it a lot more, but the showing that I went to is one that I specifically, uh, like s- seeked out if that's what I would say, because it had a live Q and a with John Krasinski right afterwards, which was pretty cool. Um, but, and I've done like tons of research. I had done an episode on a quiet place. So I'd watched tons of interviews and the behind the scenes type things like, a Quiet Place, the original, was like deeply, deeply personal to John Krasinski, and I think that's why he chose to direct for the first time. So then to like hear that he was coming back, I was like, oh man, like I, I hope that he finds a way to bring that same like sincerity, and I feel like he totally did. Yeah, uh, obviously it'll, once we get into spoiler territory, it's something that we'll talk about more, but uh, again, you can you can just tell how much love he has for this universe and what he's trying to do. Because to me, this is a rare sequel that you're just sitting there going for me, at least I felt like this was absolutely on par for every beat for beat as the first one. I really didn't feel like anything was lost. I feel like there was gain and I'm hoping we get a trilogy out of this, but it's it's amazing to see what he's done and this is a guy who you know if all people know him from is the office i think maybe that's the most relatable thing for you know a common you know like a just a common everyday fan would be oh that's jim from the office but man i tell you what this guy this guy gets it tension storytelling cinematography like i, I was I've been blown away by these two movies with how much this guy understands cinema. Oh, I, I completely agree. I, I'm blown away by him as a director and I can't, whatever he does next, I, I don't care what it is. I'm buying tickets because he just exactly what you said. He has a way that you, I would never have expected him to be so good at directing. 
uh, I was saying in something that I wrote somewhere, I don't remember where, that he reminds me a lot of like Denis Villeneuve, where he's just able to draw out tension in a way that I haven't seen many other directors do. And it's and same thing about the storytelling. He, he just understands these things that make cinema great. And it's so impressive. I mean, this is the second film he's ever directed, and it's so great. Yeah. So with all that being said, I, I told you before we were recording this episode that I was incredibly jealous uh, for listeners of this show. Um, you know, if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. If you're a first time listener because of this episode, welcome. Hopefully you stick around and check out some of the other episodes that we have. But Harrison on the basement binge did a spoiler free review of this. And I was insanely jealous because he articulated so well, uh, you know, what he felt about the movie and why he liked it. So I'm really excited to get into spoilers about this movie with Harrison. So with that being said, before we get into spoilers, I'd like to do the two minute warning portion of our episode where we give our two minute thought uninterrupted about how we feel before we get into full spoilers. So Harrison, why don't you, uh, you go ahead and, you know, tell listeners what you think about this movie overall. Okay. And spoiler free, right? Yeah. Spoiler, spoiler okay. free here for the moment. Want to make sure. Want to make sure. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I have to talk about a quiet place. The first one, the original to be able to talk about the second one. I'm not a fan of like horror movies at all. Uh, I'm a wimp. I just, I just don't like them. They <laughs> scare me too much. So when this film was coming out and it was receiving like tons of buzz, uh, tons of people were telling me to go see it. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't want to go see a horror movie. And then I don't remember who it was. Someone finally con convinced either me and my wife to go. So we bought tickets like one of the last days that it was in theaters. And we went and saw it and just were blown away by it. Um, and I remember then trying to go and convince my family to watch and be like, no, it's not a normal horror movie. It's so much better than that. And then what later, as I bought it on Blu-ray and watched it multiple times, watched the behind the scenes, that type of stuff and interviews with John Krasinski, I think one of the reasons that it was successful to people like me who aren't a fan of horror is that it's 100% like a family drama. Like you said, John Krasinski gets storytelling. This is a story about a family. And it's just like wrapped in a, in a horror candy coated shell, so to speak, so that it's marketable. Um, <laughs> and, it, and the way that it combines those two things is so impressive. And, and one of the interviews he said about the original that we saw um, in theaters and, and a, behind, after interview, he said that he wasn't trying to make a scary movie. He was trying to make a movie about a family that you would care about. And because this family you care about is going through scary things, it will be scary for you. And I feel like that was incredibly successful. So the, the second one, the reason that I think it's such a great sequel is that it continues that. It is a story about the Abbots. It's a story about the family. And it's not just like a reset, like, hey, it's the second one. And so we're just kind of going to do the same thing we did in the first one. Like, it's a genuine continuation of the events from the first one. This really does feel like a part two of the story um, in the way that it's crafted, the way that it's told, and the way that it continues. The actors all do a phenomenal job, and it, it especially with it being a quiet film, they perform uh, uh, so subtly, and, and it's amazing. I love the the actors' performance in it. It it's just incredible, um, and, and I'm just I love how the story continues, how how the lore of the world expands. And Matt, you already mentioned things like the technical side of it, the the cinematography, the music, the directing. It's all just exceptional. And a great sequel. I love the way that it continues the story of the characters. Like, 
Uh, and it is so tense. My wife leaned over to me multiple times in the theater. She's like, we're not buying this movie. It's too scary. <laughs> like I was literally like <laughs> on the edge of my seat. It was so, it's so tense. And it's the same idea where it's a family you care about. And because they're going through horrible things, it's horrible for you. And it's tense. Like it is scary, but not because it's like scary. It's scary because it's tense. Uh, if that makes any sense. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just great. I, I was blown away by how good this film was. I was worried like, oh no, you know, how can you beat the second one? Or not beat it, but how can you follow up the second one? And they did it. And they did it really well. Yeah, I mean, the thing about this is, you know, Harrison, you mentioned it. You're not a fan of, of scary movies or anything like that. Um, I am. You know, any kind of horror movie, if it's the the worst B movie, I I don't care. <laughs> I like it. Um, but again, one of the things with liking horror movies and watching them is, you know, nowadays horror movies are it's blood and guts or it's jump scares. And that's, you know, to me, that's not why I get excited about a horror movie. It's the tension that you feel. And, you know, like you said, uh, A Quiet Place 1 starts that tension. Um, and when you think about it, too, it's unbelievable because that first movie really has no score. And when you think about movies and you think about some of like these epic movies, like, you know, let's say Jurassic Park, let's say the Avengers, um, Lord of the Rings, whatever else you want to say. And I know those aren't horror movies, but a lot of those movies are enhanced because of the fact that they have these amazing iconic scores that are linked to those movies. Uh, this is a movie between one and two that despite the absence of scores is so well crafted. Um, and I think that even speaks more to how good, you know, Krasinski gets it because without a score, a lot of things can fall flat. But the fact of the matter is, is I can't imagine this movie with any more like music than it has, because it just really does the absolute silence is what's terrifying because you're left to your own thoughts in these movies, which is what I love when things are happening because you're not listening to anything. I I'm thinking about, well, what's going to happen? Like, Oh my God, no, like get away. Um, which I absolutely love. So again, I I'm blown away by what this guy did. And for anybody now who hasn't seen the movie, if you don't want to be spoiled, Please, this is the part where you pause this episode. Uh, whenever you're going to watch the movie, go watch it uh, and then come back, hit play on this episode again, and you're going to get into spoilers. So, you know, first thing first for me, uh, Harrison, I mentioned this to you with spoilers part of this episode. This is the first time where I live in New York state and in the Buffalo area theaters really opened up three weeks ago and it was spiral from the book of saw was the first movie I saw in theaters since Sonic the Hedgehog oh, was wow. the last movie I saw in theaters. And then I saw a spiral from the book of saw and then I saw a quiet place too. And I have been, happy with streaming service and watching Kong vs. Godzilla at home and Mortal Kombat and, you know, name the other movies that have come out. 
this was a movie that I just really said, oh yeah, this is why I love theater. And Harrison, where you are, you know, you've been able to go to the theaters for movies because they've been open much longer than where I have been. But part of the reason that this movie was just, I, I loved the experience was the theater. And I'm so glad that in my area, they're opening back up. But again, like when you heard all of these directors and these studios saying, you know, they had issues with streaming services and, you know, things need to be seen on the big screen. Uh, boy, I can't help but like agree with them. And again, that's just my opinion, but boy, it, it was great to be back in theaters. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I have had the privilege to be able to go through theaters specifically like when Tenant came out, I went and saw that in theaters, which was awesome. And then I went to like a, I don't know, was it like a 40th anniversary of The Empire Strikes Back in theater with my family, which was super fun. Um, and some other things as well. But this feels like a return to the theaters. And the way that John Krasinski in the QA I watched afterwards said it really well. He, he kind of wanted to be the bookends of the shutdown. You know, it, this was one of the first films to be delayed. And he tried to be one of the first films after the delay, if that makes sense. You know, he, he, his was right. kind of the f film that started the shutdown of theater, so to speak, and he wanted to be the one that kind of brought him back, or at least a part of it. And, and I, I don't know if it's because, like, I feel like new movies are actually being released. Like, tons of movies, new movies, have been released in the past year, but there's something about that that doesn't feel like they have been, and I, I think it's because I haven't been going to the theater. Like, outside of Tenant, Anytime I went to the theater, it was for like a, a rescreening or a movie that had already come out. So it, it just didn't feel like new movies were coming out, if that makes sense. I wasn't going to get my tickets every weekend or whatever. And so being back in the theater, it was exciting. It, it was exciting to be there with my wife. We got our popcorn, which we don't do frequently. So, you know, we got popcorn and everything. We made a big deal. And uh, sitting in the theater with that huge screen and the, and the surround sound was just like, I, I was like, yeah. The, these these directors that were saying you need the theater like they they understand something that I'm getting and I think it's just because like like you said we watched Godzilla versus Kong at home and we watched this other movie at home and, and like having such a comparison is great and and one of the things specifically about this film that I'll add on I'm sorry I'm talking about this Q&A a lot I just thought it was awesome was Krasinski he was talking about how the extended amount of time they had for the delay uh, the J.J. Abrams was the one who was hosting this QA thing. Uh, he was asking him, like, did you change a lot of the things with the delay? And he said, no, the only thing that we had more time to do was the Dolby mix and mm. the mixing, the surround sound for theaters. And he said it was super funny. He's like, we went way over the top with it. We'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going to have the creature go all the way around. And then we're going to, like, come back and scare, like, that guy. And, like, pointed to some <laughs> random person in the theater. And, like, just talked about how they got, like, super focused with it. And... I, I felt that being in the theater, like it, it felt like it was just me and the screen, even though there's more people there and, and, and being with the audience, we, you know, there's a few jump scares in here that are totally earned, but you know, everyone else being scared with me, you know, hearing people when something happens like the, <gasps> or the, right. the reactions of other people just makes it, it was great. I, I really love being back. In yeah, no, I'm uh I'm like insanely jealous of that Q and a session that you've been talking about. Um, that is like, that's super cool. Um, but, you know, one thing that was cool for me um, and a lot of people, because I heard them talking after the movie, is a lot of this movie is shot right in my backyard. 
Um, and there's so many places that are recognizable to somebody who lives in this area that during the movie, uh, again, I just felt like this, I don't know, I guess it's weird to say like swell of pride, but when they're walking on the bridge, um, that's for our area, that's the Grand Island Bridge. And when they're walking through, you know, one of the first scenes in the movie when they're taking that trip and they the bottles drop and they have to start running from the creature. That's Bethlehem steel, which anybody who lives in Buffalo knows what Bethlehem steel is. The baseball diamonds. I was on social media and the one person was like showing a picture of that baseball stadium is right behind my house. That's where they filmed. It was, um, you know, one person chimed in and said the baby that's on screen is my Nate. Like the, that baby is my neighbor's child. Um, so that was just like another really cool element for me and other people that were in the theater that was like, Oh my God, like this was shot in our area and seeing all of these locations again, just every time I saw something, I was like, Oh, I know that place I've been there or I've driven past that. Um, and that was another cool thing that I had that made me enjoy this movie was just the on-scene locations that I knew about because such a big portion of this film was filmed in the area that I live. So that was really cool, but is cool. let's talk about some of the characters, Harrison, because a lot of people come back. Um, one of them who doesn't come back is well in the beginning he does but is john krasinski's character uh but he does make the appearance because we get what happened uh we get day one how these creatures came uh to earth so to speak and i felt that that was perfect it wasn't overkill i felt like it was just enough just well it looks like a meteor shower brought these creatures to earth. And I'm, I'm wondering if there was a talk during the Q and a, I'm, I'm probably going to ask you to reference that a lot here of, you know, did he talk about that decision to explain where they came from, but not, you know, not actually be like, so over the top with it. I, I felt it worked in the context um, for what it was. Uh, he, he, the only thing you talked about, he there was a question about that, and it was weird. He kind of like avoided the question and talked about what he wanted to. Uh, he just kind of the only thing he said was that he's like, all I knew that is if I was going to show how this happened, I didn't want it to just feel like, oh, here's this gratuitous thing of how it happens. I wanted it to where you were experiencing it with the characters. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of just talked about like the like the camera movement and the decisions behind that, and which he totally like nails, you know, with the camera swinging around in the car with Emily. But it, that was his main thing: is that it. I, so the way he talked about, it, I think it was more of like a studio decision. Um, I, this is a total guess, because his mindset was like, if I am doing this, I want it to be still a part of the Abbott story where you're experiencing it with them, and not just right. like, oh, here's how the mon- the creatures came type of thing. So. But I agree. I felt like it was just a perfect amount. Like, I, yeah, it was really cool to see where the creatures came from. But like, that's not really what I was interested in. The terror of everyone else reacting was way more interesting than, oh, look, it's a meteor, you know? Right. Yeah. That, um, you know, just and again, like just that buildup when you start seeing the debris in the sky and just 
the slow movement of everybody being like, okay, uh, game, you know, game's over. Let's get out of here. And then it just, you know, it hits the, the old expression from zero to a hundred and boom, like, all right, let's everybody go home and uh, we'll figure out what's going on to everybody is just panicking because these creatures came from out of nowhere and are just ripping people apart. There's just, there's so much tension in that opening scene. Again, he's just, he gets it, man. He, he gets how to build tension and you don't have to see it. You do not have to see the person actually getting like sliced up or anything like that. It is, it's the, the, fear of not knowing what actually happens but knowing that when these creatures get a hold of somebody there's no way they're surviving like they're dead uh i really like that he he not shies away but he stays away from showing exactly the damage that these creatures do to a human being because again in your mind it's just it, it puts it into overload for me yeah i, I agree i think that like all I needed to see was that creature coming in and like wrecking that cop car. And then everybody just like ah! running for their lives. Yep. Like that's scarier than like, you know, seeing a creature like mutilate a human type of thing. I, I love the the fear of the dread. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, like I, I remember that scene uh, after they kind of drive around and him and his daughter, they're in like that restaurant or whatever it is. And like everyone's huddled under the tables and like someone's praying and someone's talking on the phone. And I'm like, who's you know who's the red shirt in this room like, what, what's gonna happen and just like the tension of oh oh no like something's gonna happen and i don't know is way scarier it's really great yeah it's but i i just remember there were so many times where i was just i had to like make myself remember to like unclench my fist because my palms were sweating because I was just anticipating yeah. what's going on. You know, how are they going to get out of this situation? Um, and again, this movie has great tension, but you, you hit on this earlier that he wanted to tell a story about a family who's going through something scary. So you relate to the family and it's scary for you. And at the heart of this movie, just like the first one, you know, is the Abbott family who are accompanied by a character named Emmett, who's played by Cillan Murphy, who the more and more I see from this guy and remembering things that he's been in before, boy, I forget how good of an actor Cillan Murphy is. And he is a great addition to this cast in somebody that the Abbott family knew before this world turned upside down. You know, this family, you do, you feel for them throughout the movie. And again, they do it with most of the time. The characters are not speaking. Um, it, it, they are just so relatable. You want this family you want this family to get through this. Like I genuinely cared every single second they were on screen and what happened to them. You know, when the son gets his leg caught in the bear trap, uh, Marcus, 
like I was just I really thought that that was it. I was like, oh, my God, not another one. Like she's going to have to witness another one of her kids taken by this monster. Um, boy, yeah. I, you just you care about this family so much. And what a story for the kids, both by the end of the movie, slightly going towards the end coming into their own, so to speak, and really embracing the fact that, okay, we, we have to step up um, more. So the son is on the later end, but the daughter from the second, this movie starts is she has a plan of what she's going to do and she's brave and Holy cow. Like, yeah, it's just written. She's that character is written so well. Yeah, I, I, I'm so impressed with the writing because, like, I, I I mean, we know sequels. There, there are so many examples where it's just like, hey, we're making a second one. Let's just do the same thing we did before, but we'll change a little bit. Like, the character motivations aren't consistent. You know, growth that the characters have aren't there. Um, and the film starts with Reagan, I think is the daughter's name, going up. Yeah, Reagan. Start, but uh, she goes up and like lights the fire to see if anybody else does to find the safe area to go where other people are. It's just like, you can see that this is the consistent character with the first film who wanted to help her dad, who wanted to be a part of her dad, but felt almost like, uh, like she couldn't because she didn't have his love or she was dealing with her grief of their, the younger son being killed. And, and the second that he's gone, she just rises to the occasion to just protect her family. And, and it's just like, yeah, that's the character from the first film. And that the just the the emotion behind everything. It's not just like, oh, we need our protagonist, we need the character who progresses the story or whatever. It like everything feels so genuine to the emotions of the character where they feel like actual people responding to the situation instead of just characters, which is so interesting to say about a movie, because like everybody feels like a character. And I agree, like going back to that scene you mentioned earlier where Marcus is hurt, like I felt like that was like a mom reacting to her son, not just like two actors interacting. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. Yeah, that's, I'm so, you, to me, that is articulated perfectly where, yes, we know we're watching a movie, but like you said, everything feels genuine. The emotions that these characters show Everything feels earned. Everything feels like a natural progression. It doesn't feel like all of a sudden, like, what? Somebody just, you know, somebody just became unstoppable, or there's a MacGuffin in the script to get this person from A to B. Like, everything flows. Everything feels like it is a genuine reaction. It feels like, you know, like Emily Blunt, it feels like this kid and this daughter are actually her son and daughter that mm -hmm. when she talks to Emmett, who again, like for being a new character, his character progression, it feels earned yeah. that he goes from, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You have to leave to going and defending, like defending this family it feels like he genuinely has a realization that this is the right thing to do. And the line to him about, you said you couldn't do anything more. Well, now here's your chance to do something. It, yeah. it just, it works. It's emotional. 
when, you know, Marcus tells Reagan, you know, don't do this. I'll tell, like, I'll tell mom, like, I felt that I felt that emotion of like, I don't want to lose my sister. Like he genuinely Mm -hmm. was sad that he could lose somebody else. Um, And, you know, telling her like, you can't do this. You'll not, he didn't say she'll fail, but like, basically you, you can't go out there and survive on your own. Please don't do this. And her saying, I have to try again. It's like, it didn't feel like, Oh, they were just writing this girl to be, strong because oh we need a strong character it it felt like she naturally progressed and was dealing with the situation like you know a a person in real life would have based on it's just it's so good i uh i can't say enough about how well these characters are written oh i agree and and to have that character who is a strong character be someone who's deaf with like such a horrible disability that would be so difficult in genuine original life having that be the strong character is is so genuine at the same time like this is a person who has lived with a hardship and has just had to just just live with it so to speak like having that person being the one who has a little bit more bravery it's like it, it just feels so genuine and and authentic to these these people who find themselves in this horrible situation (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, You know, when they sit there and that train sequence where the monster is coming through the train again, that was, you know, I talked about, I had to like look at myself and tell myself to ungrip my, like unclench (laughs) my fist. That was just, Oh my God, my heart was racing during that scene. And then you know, again, him, Emmett, just coming in and caring for her, but her telling him, like, we have to, we have to go back. And she's like, no, I have to try. And then the heartbreak for a second of her thinking that he left her behind. Yeah. And again, there's, there's no music, there's no sound, but she's just, you can see in like that second, she is devastated And then he comes, you see his boots on camera. And I just, again, like a swell of pride and like happiness just overwhelmed me in the theater of like, oh my God, like, yeah, like, yes, like this is like, what a, like, what a good guy. I like, thank goodness he's back. They're going to do this. I just, I feel so much emotion for these characters and I need, I need a trilogy for this because I, I like, I trust, like I trust John Krasinski to do the right thing. I need this to be a trilogy film and cap this off because I feel like the way it ends again, it's just, it's a natural progression to lead it into a third film and where these characters have taken another step to say, we need to like take back earth, so to speak. Yeah, uh, I, I will say in one of the the Q&A things that John mentioned is that there is a third one being made. It's not sadly not directed or written by John Krasinski. He's producing it. He's one of the producers. But Jeff Nichols is writing and directing the, the third Quiet Place. So 
I'm super okay. excited. When he said, he just kind of like slowly dropped it. Like, oh yeah, we're making a third. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> just, ca- just so, said, so casual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm excited because I agree. I think that this is a, a part, like this is part two of the first story. And this second story deserves a part three. Uh, because I, I love these characters. Like, I feel like I care about their well-being so much. Like, I, I, when the movie ended, I know we're jumping, like, way ahead, but, like, the ending scene when, uh, uh, I forget her name now, the, when uh, Reagan, like, pulls the pole out of the monster and it, like, goes to black, I was like, what? That's it? Like, how do they get back together? Is Emmett right. okay? Like, what about his leg? Like, what, I, what, I have to know about these people. Like, I just, I, I need a third. I agree. Yeah, I, I that screen hit. And I was like, what? what? I, I was like the same reaction with you. Like, what? W- wait a minute. What is going on? And then, yeah, just I simmered down a little bit, um, started thinking about mm-hmm. the movie and was like, OK. Um, and that is to me. Um, for listeners of the show, Rob and I did an episode previously on Mortal Kombat where that is supposed to be, thank you, that is supposed to be a trilogy. But part of my problem with Mortal Kombat is I felt they made that movie with a lot of it being a teaser for something to come and forgot to make a very good movie in the first place. So you would (laughs) want to see where those teasers lead. This is a movie and this is a series where you want this one and two stand on their own. If you never got a sequel to two or if you never got a sequel to one, I don't think it would lose anything over time. I don't think you would have somebody go, well, it's not as good because they never did a sequel or well, I don't like it as much because I'd like to see this. You could watch that, again, just my opinion, and say, this is just a really good film. Where with Mortal Kombat, I'm like, well, I'd have to see the next one to see how I feel about the setup in the first one. Mm. If this ended with two, I could still look back at these and say, these are incredible movies. I would have liked to have seen the third one. But man, what we got in one and two is fantastic. And I don't necessarily need the third one to say that I enjoy this. That's what's so impressive about these is I want a sequel because of how well it is, not because of things that are left unsaid. Exactly. I could not say better. So that is, you know, that's why I'm hoping you know, the third one, because I did hear that potentially maybe it won't be a direct follow up to this one, that it could be an indication of other people who ha- are going through the experience of this um, universe, which I think, oh. you know, you could, depending on what's going on, make some anthology films out of this franchise right. if they're written like this, like. Well, this is the Abbott family's experience, and this is the Johnson's family experience. Um, granted, I would like to see what happens with the Abbott family, um, but this is a franchise where I think if Krasinski stays involved, this is something that could spread and have multiple entries that are fantastic. But uh, one thing I do want to talk about, and Harrison, maybe you can clear this up for me, because I do have one small complaint about this movie 
And it's regards to the island that they eventually travel to. Now, my my question with that is, and maybe I missed something, so maybe you can clarify for me, is everything leading up to that is tension at its max. When they throw the bottle necklace, like whatever you want to call it, over Emmett, and he can't oh. move, and he can't move, and just uh, again, the uneasy feeling of that guy going and looking at Reagan, Reagan and touching her. Oh my gosh! I like, I literally was like, I could feel it in my stomach where I was just like, I can't, like, I can't even, like, I can't even begin to fathom what this scene is because again just how well he like just how well he frames everything everything is deliberate everything is there to evoke emotion everything about this movie does what it's supposed to do i can't i like like honestly like it might sound like that's just a really simple statement but if you've seen this movie i'm sure you know what harrison and i mean that there's nothing out of place to me in this movie about the tension or the filming, anything about it. So you get that scene on the dock. My one problem is how would the, like the boat just randomly traveled to that Island with the monster on it. Like how did he get there? Cause if he was on the boat with Emmett and Reagan, why would he not attack them on the boat? So again, Harrison, maybe I missed something, but how did that boat get to the island so that we could have another scene where the monster, you know, this creature goes through and more people lose their lives? I, I did I miss something there? Uh, I kind of have the same thought. I know that it's like two different boats, like like uh, Emma and Reagan are on one, and then the creature is on a separate one. Right. Like, my thought was like when when Emmett comes around the corner and like sees that boat with the claw marks in it, and I, and I was like, oh no, like that's the boat that the creatures were on. My next thought was like, well, how the heck did it get there? But I also have to say that when it showed Reagan and Emmett showing up on the island in their little boat, I was like, how in the world did they get there? Because their boat didn't look very like it had much oomph behind it. Right. Um, <laughs> right. I don't even think it had a sail. So I I wonder if it's just like kind of one of the same. Uh, I do feel like that was the weakest point. Like, oh, it just so happens this boat just kind of drifted over to this island. Um, But I I don't know. I think it's just kind of like, I don't know. I'm trying to justify it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it drifted over the the winds of fate. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, But uh, again, like that is... Honestly, like that's such that was such a small portion overall that it's easily honestly like overlooked because it was there was like that sense of hope when they get to that island of, oh, my God, like these people are outside having bonfires and just like literally living a normal life, not like you know, whatever, 30 miles off the water, there's just horrific things happening every single day. Um, And, you know, it gives you that sense of hope, but then you're just sitting there going, oh man, like 
this now that's you know now that was destroyed so yeah again just a, a great scene um once the the monster does reach the island how he gets there is a little questionable but once he is there again it's just it's tension city what's going to happen and the ending sequence to this movie again it's just like the same thing it works you're uneasy what's going to happen but man having this movie again how else could this movie end and everything is so perfect but with the two kids stepping up and being you know marcus and reagan stepping up and being the ones that say we're saving like we're saving the adults i I thought it was so like critical to have the movie end like that looking back on it like yeah how else could this movie have ended but with those two both for different reasons how they got there in their journey but both of the kids being the ones who step up and save the, you know, family from the situation that they're in. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, uh, I remember it's like going through the events of the ending and it's kind of focused on Reagan for a little bit and, and her confronting the monster. And then it gets to the point where she finally puts the cochlear on the microphone. So it starts broadcasting and then it kind of, she does her thing and then it jumps back to Marcus and, Emily's character, Evelyn, in that oven thing, whatever it is. And yeah. I was like, oh, he's going to hear the feedback because he ha- still has this this radio on. Um, and then I was like, like, what is he going to do? Like, I was like, is he just going to put the radio at the end of the, the oven opening and just like hope that the monster goes away? Like genuinely, I was not expecting him to get up and confront the creature. Uh, right. And so when he did and, and the music, that light motif that comes in with the music is so great. And, and it just, I was surprised. I was moved to tears by that scene, which I was not expecting. And I feel kind of weird saying, but it was just genuine, like, wow, like this is the ending to the movie. And it totally fits and it's totally deserving. Like what a great ending. Uh, Cause it, 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 it fits and it was natural, but at the same time, like it felt like a difficult, hard earned victory for the character of Marcus and Reagan as well, but specifically Marcus in that situation, I was like, wow, like, yes, this movie needs to end this way. And it is like, it was almost like, I am so glad that I'm seeing what I am. It was, I love the ending of this movie. Yeah. It's because you knew, you know, you knew Reagan was strong. Obviously that was a a known fact. Um, And I'm not saying that as a slight against Marcus and that he was weak, but obviously he had some difficulties throughout the movie. Um, But yeah, again, just like it didn't feel like, oh, we're just doing this so that he's a strong character. Like, no, it it felt like an earned moment that this was the time when he realized, like, I need to step up and do something as well. And I think it ties into the fact that he again, to me, maybe I'm just grabbing at straws here, but he did not think that his sister would make it at this point. He still doesn't know what's going on with her. And you can see in his face when he hears that broadcast, like, Oh my God, like 
that's yeah. you know that's her oh my god she's alive she's made it you know it was okay like almost like like she inspired him to be more than he had been up to that point like look what she's done i have like she managed to get there now i have to step up and i have to save us so that we can be together like she's done all this to potentially find a way for us to be safe i need to do my part now so that we can get to her and we can get like we can be reunited yeah i i I agree with you i felt like he overcame because he because of his sister's example and like the how inspired he was by her i completely agree yeah so you know the movie ends on that note which we said is just it's always 2020 but man it just it seems like a perfect ending you have darn near for me a perfect movie minus honestly that one little caveat with the creature getting to the island I just I sat there and I've thought about this movie from day one of me seeing it, which was the 27th. Um, I saw it the night. Well, I saw it the Thursday before the Friday of like the worldwide release of it. And uh, I went to a 920 showing and this movie and not just because I was getting, you know, situated to record this episode. This movie has dominated a lot of my thoughts because it's so good on every level. And again, it's it's one of the rare occasions where to me this in this the, this movie and the first movie just stand together. I can't pinpoint, well, yeah, I like the first one more, I like the second more, which is so rare. Yeah, it's interesting, especially what you just said about how it, it kind of coming into your thoughts. You kind of joked at the beginning about how I was able to prepare my podcast. I saw it the same day that you did. It was a Thursday. And it wasn't until like a week later that I finally had some time to record it, which was like so frustrating me. But besides that, (laughs) I sat down to like type out my notes and prepare the episode. And it was the shortest amount of time I've ever spent preparing an episode. And it just like came out of my brain. It was like, this is perfect. Like, I don't need to revise it. I don't like this is this is what I have to say. And I I didn't click until just barely what you said. I think it's because I just not like, oh, I need to prepare the episode. Like, let me think about things. But it was just genuine. I couldn't stop thinking about what I thought about the movie. I couldn't stop thinking about the movie. I couldn't I couldn't stop having ideas about it. And it I didn't put that together until right now. I, it's kind of amazing when a movie is is impressive or special enough to just occupy occupy your thoughts so naturally. Yeah. And that's, that's a perfect word is it is just, it's naturally been on my mind um, since I have seen it. And I, you know, I told people that I work with you, you know, Oh, what'd you think? And I said, honestly, I said, if I didn't need you at work, I tell you just to go down the street and go to the theater right now and see, (laughs) like, that's like, that's how good it is. Like I'd let you leave work if we weren't busy. Um, And I've, you know, I had, buddies that went and saw it and they you know the next day we were at work together and it was just the same thing that you and i are talking about just like almost in awe of how did this guy like how did this guy do it because again if all you know john krasinski for is the office it's it's amazing 
what this guy has done. And Harrison, you said, you know, whatever he does next, I'm going to buy, like I'm buying tickets. Like I don't care. Um, yeah. You know, it's, he could be attached to the live action remake of the little mermaid. And I'd be like, well, he's got to <laughs> Like, like he's got to be doing something good. Like, um, but I don't know if you've ever played this game or heard of it, but based on a quiet place. Um, so for any listeners that have played it, uh, this guy, he, to me, if they do a movie has to do the last of us. Um, I haven't played that game, but I've heard so many people say that. Yeah. It, it's just the way that that game and like, he could play Joel, like, <laughs> just yeah. so he could kind of do what he did with a quiet place but yeah if they do a last of us movie the way that he films and the just everything that he has done for tension that is the movie that they need to give this guy whatever he says he needs don't interfere with him from the studio and let <laughs> this guy make the last of us because he would get it and it would probably be the first time that a video game movie is 100% genuinely good. Um, so Harrison, if you ever do get a chance to play the first one, a hundred percent, I would. The oh, second one, the, the second one's a mixed bag. There's, there's okay, a lot of, de- there's a lot of debate on that one. I have heard about that. I, I've sadly never played it, but I, <laughs> I want to just see whatever he does next. And I just have to throw this in. He he just like, again, he was just like throwing things out during this live Q&A thing. He had never watched a horror film prior to making the first film. He's like, I made the first film without knowing anything about the genre. And I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> what? And then he kind of mentioned how he just like, he just has binge watched horror films since then for the second one. But like, Wow. He, he hadn't seen a single one. He made that. Right. This, this guy's got talent that I, I don't understand. And the way he talked about, I wish I had the words that he did to describe what it feels like as he's creating a scene. Um, and, and specifically, he talked a lot about how he enjoyed this film being a silent film and how him and the cast genuinely learned sign language uh, and learned how to communicate quietly and silently because he said, I loved being in the scenes with them because I could direct without interrupting the acting. And he said it it felt like there was something rising off the floor because it was so powerful um, and, and taking shape just, I don't know. He, he just crafts things in a way that I've never heard other directors talk about. And maybe it's just because he's John Krasinski and, and everybody has their uniquenesses about them, but there's just something that was like, what, why is he so good at this? What, like, how does he get it that I don't? Yeah. Um, he's very well-spoken and again, I'm, I'm super jealous of that, that Q and a that you were uh, a part of because it would have just been so cool. Even if it was just little tidbits to hear him. Uh, I'm curious during that Q and a, cause I read an interview a couple days ago where he talked about the bus scene and how that took, I, I think he said something like three days of planning, um, to figure out how fast the bus was going because the bus was literally driving 40 miles per hour at his wife and the kids in the car. Um, and he said, you know, kudos to her because she fully trusted me. Um, they never did a take for it. She said, okay, no, let's, you know, let's just get in the car and let's roll. Um, 
But that was so cool to hear him talk about, well, the bus is going 40 miles per hour and we spent three days coming up with, okay, this is how fast it has to go. These are the kind of brakes that we need. Um, and there was so much time and effort into planning this one scene. And it's literally a minute and 30 seconds long that took, you know, That's three, crazy. like three full days of planning to make sure that it was right. And then him just like gushing about his wife on how trusting she is. And, you know, he's like, I'm surprised I'm not divorced. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um, But, you know, any other things like that, that were in the Q and a that kind of, you know, anything else that really stood out to you? Um, I'll just talk about that scene a little bit more. I, I think it's just crazy the amount of work that went in it because they have this arm. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, if you haven't, look up MKBHD's video about it on YouTube, this robotic arm that you can use to film things. In essence, it's this big arm that holds a camera and it's not uh, it's not like being used live, if that makes sense. Like you program in a bunch of coordinates and the ways you want the camera to move and then you hit go and then it moves. So there's no improvisation or reaction to something so like if you're late or you're not on time like the camera's going to miss you because it's moved to the other pre-programmed area or whatever and um he mentioned how it took so much planning because they hit go on the camera and then everybody from the extras and the stunts and the drivers and the actors and the production like everything has to be perfect or else the camera's going to miss it um the other cool thing that I thought was awesome is the end of that, you know, when Emily Blunt throws it in reverse and she's like looking back, you know, hauling backwards because this bus is coming at her. The camera on that little robot arm like broke. The rig broke. And so the camera accidentally starts to pan in or, or push in. I keep saying pan, but push in on her face. And it, it's just like perfect. He said it's like the best mistake he's ever made, but that was not planned. Like the rig broke and made a perfect push in on Emily's face that just captures that reaction so well. Uh, and he's like, yeah, he said, I think that camera loves my wife as much as I do. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was great. The other, t um, well, now I just thought, lost what I was going to say. Oh, the other thing that I thought was really, really cool is this is a super duper small thing uh, that scene where Reagan's character is in the train and then she open like she looks out that giant hole in the train and sees all those other trains wrecked and like all the the wreckage you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah so that when she looks out the train hole it's a it's a painting like a matte painting like they did like way back in the day it's a digital painting that they added through post but it's it's an actual painting that was done a piece of art that was done that was then added in, which I thought was way cool that he was like, he talked a lot about his inspiration through Steven Spielberg. And he's like, I loved how they used to have these matte paintings on set. He's like, I wanted to do something like that. So I had to find a way to include it. And I was like, wow, good for you, man. Like he just has such like a, a, a authentic vision about what he wants to craft. And he goes and does it. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. Um, I, I just, I'm always fascinated by, by things like that and just, that that is so cool um yeah wow that's that's awesome how did you so i guess i just have a follow-up question on that how did you search that out like is that is that something that was like sent to you because of an email or like how did you know that that was gonna like happen and find a a way to get to that screen like that showing it, it was not marketed very well in fact i only found it by accident i don't know if you have cinemark theaters uh, in New York, but it's like the biggest chain theater here in Utah is Cinemark. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I have a membership through them and whatever. So I just went on the Cinemark app to get tickets and I'm scrolling through the movies and there's two Quiet Place posters right next to each other. So I was like, there was two different options for a Quiet Place part two. And I was like, what? What is this? So I clicked on both of them to see the difference in one of them. And the second one said a Quiet Place part two with live Q&A with John Krasinski. And I was like, what? Well, like, what, what is this? <laughs> and it was only at one specific time. It was Thursday, that, that Thursday, the 27th, that it was like 6 p.m. my time, which is 5 p.m. Eastern time. So it was like all at the same time, like a bunch of theaters were involved in it. And it, he was in somewhere in California and it was just broadcasted to all the theaters. So you had to get a screening for a specific time. Uh, and it was the only time that it was done. But it, I totally found it by mistake. And and like even afterwards, when I saw it, I was like, what is this? Like, is he showing up in person? Like, is it a pre-recorded thing? What the heck is going on? Is it going to be before the movie, after the movie? I tried to find things about it. The Literally, the only thing I could find was like a 30 second video on a Facebook page that a theater in like Wyoming posted. And I was like, what? why is this not being marketed? <laughs> like, this is the most interesting thing. Why is the only thing I find about a Facebook page from a Wyoming theater? Uh, and it was like a video of John saying like, welcome back to the theaters as part of the welcome. I'm going to be there to talk about the movie afterwards. And that was all that I found. So I totally found it by happenstance, but I was so grateful I did. Wow. Yeah. Um, the closest Cinemark that um, we have is in Rochester. So not uh, not really, cl- <laughs> not not really close to where I am. It's not like a terrible drive, but I don't think I would ever make the drive um, <laughs> for that. But uh with that being said give me your closing thoughts on this movie and you know how does this ra- how does this rate for you harrison how many reels would i give it i'd yeah. confidently given it four four and a half reels like it, it's just i'm blown away by how good it is and how much i enjoy it especially especially with being a wimp about horror like my wife and I were in the theater and she kept looking at me like, we are not buying this movie. It is too scary. And I was like, yeah, this is terrifying. Like we were both (laughs) scared out (laughs) of our wits, but then we walked out of the theater. I was like, wow, that was amazing. So it's just so impressive. I mean, there are some, a few moments kind of like we talked about where I was like, "Eh, like that's like, if I think about it too much, I don't like it, but I don't think about those things because there's so much about it that I love specifically the end. Like we already talked about and the themes of that, of the youth, kind of rising to the occasion and I, I just think it's amazing. So uh, four and a half reels confidently I, I can give this film. Yeah, I definitely, I'm right there. Um, you know, for listeners of the show, uh, I rate this, uh, I put this on my letterbox account and I definitely four and a half. Um, it's just, again, it's, it's a horror movie, but it is a movie about family and the love that they have for each other to survive and to keep each other safe. That drives this story. And, you know, it's added on to with uh, the friendship that a character uh, Emmett had with this family before everything, you know, went to hell, so to speak in this, uh, in this world that they live in. But, you know, this movie, we've talked about it. It does everything so well. I really hope we get a continuation of this. I'm excited to see what this third one will be. If it's going to be a follow-up to this one, if it's going to be kind of an anthology film with a different family or different people going through these experiences, I hope to see more from this world. But Harrison, you've been 
working on some things. I know you've been watching some series. So before we sign off here, because I'm excited about a lot of this stuff in the pipeline. So uh, for listeners, Harrison show will be in the notes of this episode. So that way you can check his show out because I would highly, highly recommend it. He's got some amazing things on his channel to check out. But Harrison, why don't you let people know about what's coming up? Because I know I'm excited for it. Well, well, thank you. I'm ex- I appreciate the opportunity. So obviously, I've got an episode on A Quiet Place Part 2, like we talked about. Coming up very, very soon in the next few days is an episode on Cruella, um, the new Disney film. I've seen it twice now because I was just so surprised by it that I wanted to show it to my wife's family. We both just, I was, I won't say more than that, that I was just like, that is one of the most entertaining films I've ever seen. Uh and I was just blown away by it. So I, I just have some things to say about it that I'm excited to. But uh, separate from that, I've been working on the Fast and Furious series, which I've never seen before. And it is so interesting to watch. <laughs> so I'm very, very excited to do the episodes on that, trying to get them out before Fast 9. Uh, and also, be, hopefully, if we can make it work, we've still got to plan on my schedule, but get Matt and Rob to join me as well for those films. Because uh, they're... They're nuts. I I still don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm excited. Are you are you amazed? Quick little sidebar at how realistic they are. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I was I was watching the first one. I've only watched the first one. That's as far as I got because I've been so busy. But there's the like like the race scene when uh like the sh- the first street race where he goes mm. to like the, the street race that he has and like they hit the nos and it's like what the i didn't know nos was light speed like what the heck is going on <laughs> and then and then his computer is like danger to manifold and i'm like how does his computer know that and second what the heck is a manifold and then his floor just falls out <laughs> yeah. it's like what the heck am i watching how well, has this made nine films i don't know maybe something happened but i how is there nine films out of this yeah, um, just wait because it gets <laughs> it, it gets wild. Um, but no, I will be I will make myself available for any of the episodes that you would like to have me on for because I I could not wait to talk about a couple of those if we get the chance. So oh, um, definitely, that's exciting. And then anything else um, besides the fast series that you're working on? Uh, no, that's it. I know that you and I were planning to do the Loki series together, which I'm super pumped for. So, but that's how I kind of got in the pipes right now. Cause I, I originally wasn't going to do the fast series. And then like the fast nine trailer came out and I watched, it, and I was like, this is the most ridiculous trailer I've ever seen. Like, this looks like, <laughs> this looks extremely entertaining in the weirdest way. Like I got to see this series so I can see the ninth film. Uh, so it kind of just, all my other plans were kind of shuffled out of the way so I can get, all these other eight fast and furious films in there before the ninth one. Yeah, that's, that is a lot to, to take in and try and get through those eight films before fast nine comes out. So, uh, I'll be looking forward to that. I'm definitely looking forward to Corella. I, I have not been able to see that yet, but I really do actually want to go see that. So I'll probably check that out sometime, uh, this coming week, maybe this coming Friday. Cause I'm actually off from work. So that'll be interesting. Oh, there you go. Um, but like Harrison said, uh, I am really excited not only for that, but Harrison and Rob as well will join this show for Loki. And I know with WandaVision, we had a ton of fun. We had a lot of fun with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I'm uh, excited to keep the streak alive. 
so to speak, about doing these Marvel shows. And boy, we are what Harrison Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. we're four days away from I know Loki it's on a com- Wednesday, like Loki coming out. Uh, we'll be recording those episodes on Thursday. So, um, That'll be interesting because, you know, Harrison, thinking about it, we had to take days in between WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier to to talk to each other about it. And now it'll be the very next day that we're able to to get together and and give our thoughts. So I'm wondering if that will. Yeah, I'm wondering if that will change anything about the way that we talk about that show, uh, given that it's going to be immediately pretty much after the episode airs. So I'm super excited for that. I really wonder if Rob is going to get his double watch in like he always did. I'll I'll be surprised if he can keep up that streak, but our, our vague texts won't be as frequent because we'll just get on the next. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So that'll be really exciting. So, you know, again, uh, listeners, thank you so much. I've had a blast doing a quiet place too. Again, check out The Basement Binge. It's a great show. I've said it once. I'll continue to say it. It's the inspiration for why I started my podcast in the first place. So, you know, follow the links in the show notes to check out some of Harrison's episodes. He's got some amazing, amazing reviews on basically, really, you cover a wide range of movies, which I love. Um, so be sure to well, check you. That. So be sure to check that out. Thank you for listening. And we will see you very, very soon on another edition of Matt Goes to the Movies. Thanks, listeners.